You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Cindy Pond. Her new novel is Fury of the Phoenix. Thank you for joining me, Cindy. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Cindy, you've decided to write complicated, intense, very intricate novels that have a historical setting with which many people are unfamiliar. And into that, you introduce elements of the fantastic. That's a a double level of challenge for you. Explain to me why you decided to proceed in that manner. Thank you very much. Um, Well, as I said, it is the first novel that I wrote. And what happened was that um, when I started writing it, I had just started taking lessons as a Chinese brush artist. And I was reading up more on the culture. I'm Chinese American. I was reading up on the culture and the history. And I was basically combining my two loves at the time. Fantasy was always my favorite genre to read. And, you know, I thought, why isn't there any Chinese-inspired fantasy out there? And that's exactly what I did with Silver Phoenix, and that's how I started writing it. Well, you know, it seems so natural. It's such a crazy question because the the world of Chinese lore is so rich and complex. You have a lot of your work done for you just going in. So talk about... um, interpreting that lore and turning, you know, what can maybe be some kind of dry historical stuff and dry religious stuff into something that's like a rip-roaring, page-turning narrative? I think that, um, I mean, people think that since I'm Chinese-American, I go in and I know everything, and I didn't. I had to research just like any other writer with, you know, the history and the lore of China. I knew some things from holidays, you know, with my parents that are more, you know, celebrated and well-known, but what I'm writing isn't, you know, well-known. So um, I found a text that is so old that the most most Chinese people in China now don't are not familiar with it. And it was translated by, I believe, a professor at UC Berkeley. And it was called um, The Guideways Through Mountains and Seas. And it was just such th- 2,000 years old. And it was about all these different lands, monsters, and people that the Chinese people, they think, believed was real. So there was like the land of women, which is, you know, just all women and the land of men and the land of the short people. And the land. so you, you think, well, maybe there was maybe a land like this, like they were maybe they were shorter or they were squatter or, you know. But I mean, it would move on to very fantastic things like the land of the one armed tribe, which I wrote in Silver Phoenix. And that really inspired me. And I felt that as a fantasy lover and reader, even though this is something that might not be familiar to, you know, somebody that is has grown up on Western fantasy, which is what I grew up on, it was familiar enough and enchanted and intrigued me enough that I basically, I write for myself. I'm a very selfish writer. If I dig it, I write it. And I just hope other people like it too. So that's how I work. Well, that just sounds so amazingly cool. <laughs> uh, how did you happen on this book? Amazon. <laughs> I, all I was doing was typing it, and you know, I mean, Amazon just happens to have all the used books and all the academic books and, you know, books that normally might not be in print. And, you know, it just happens to be the one seller that the secondhand sellers will go to. So, you know, this happened to be an academic book that was already out. But, you know, I found other very interesting books as well. 
on Amazon and I'm not, you know, I know that Amazon kind of gets a bad rep and I don't usually buy books from them all the time. But as far as research, a lot of the old out of print books were there. Everything that you need is very much listed there. Well, it's one thing to come across a fantastic book like that. It's another to write a fantastic novel that, like what you've uh, written. So talk about uh, writing a novel. I guess this isn't something you've done uh, all the time. Talk about transitioning from short stories to novels and making that leap, because that's a big leap to make. Yeah, it really is a huge leap, and Silver Phoenix was very much a challenge for me and I was staying full-time at home with my kids and I needed something to call my own again and I actually went back to UCSD where I was an undergraduate student and they have a you know university extensions for the adult learners and they had creative writing classes and that was when you know I said why haven't I written for over a decade I mean that was my first love and so I went back to take classes and I took a novel writing class and I wrote the first 40 pages of Silver Phoenix like I said and said oh my god what do I do now because I have no idea and so the novel writing class helped, and I actually used NaNoWriMo. I don't know if you've heard of that, the National Novel Writing Month in November. And I didn't use it to say, I'm going to write 50,000 words. It's everybody in the world, you know, agreeing that they're going to write a 50,000-word novel during the month of November. I wanted to use it to kind of push me through what I always call the dreaded middle. I like the beginning. I like the end, but it's all the stuff in between. And I'm a pantser. I don't plot. I don't do outlines and and it's very ironic because in real life I'm a list maker I'm very organized so imagine for me to say I'm going to write a 60 70,000 word novel and have no idea what's going to happen it's like really letting go so um, I wrote 35,000 words I made it through the middle and I was like oh my gosh you know that was a hard part now let me finish this and I finished it and I decided you know why don't I try and get an agent it just kind of kept rolling like that. And why don't I try and sell it? You know, because I loved it enough to keep trying. And um, it did, I I queried 121 agents and I got over 100 rejections. And I had people who came to me, the agents who came back to me and said, I love what you're writing. I think the story's great. I don't see anything like this on the shelves in the adult or the young adult section. And for them, they're like, this is a huge risk. I mean, you know, when you try to sell a novel, it's always you take it to, you know, the publishers and the people who buy books and say, this book is, is exactly like Anne Rice, and Anne Rice's book sold like this. And I didn't have that because there wasn't that much Asian fantasy out on the shelves. But in the end, you know, HarperCollins took a risk with me, and I was very blessed and very happy to have published two novels. Well, you know, this is, I think, a common fallacy in the, the art publishing business world that people want something like something else. The reason they liked Anne Rice was because, what, 35, 37 years ago, no, or 40 years ago, yeah. no, nobody had written anything mm-hmm. like Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. And what was new, what was, what was mm-hmm. interesting. So what you brought was something new. So talk about... Uh, once you've created something new, do you have an idea of where you want to go? Is this the how many more books of this are you going to write? And do you have are you interested? Is there something new mm-hmm. to you next? Yeah. Um, well, I actually am on submission for a third Shaft fantasy set in the same world, but different characters because the story ends with Eileen in this book, so she's done. But um, the next book is with um, a heroine who is a serpent demon. She finds out. At 16, instead of getting her period, she morphs into a giant snake. That's some externalization there. 
<laughs> so, you know, that always sucks when that happens. And I just found it was very interesting. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to do, um, uh, uh, lead a workshop on, a roundtable on, um, I called it uh, Virgin Savior to Murderous Succubus, Women's Sexual Roles and Fantasy. And that was because I was writing The Succubus and I just found it very fascinating that there is this kind of lore where there is, are women that are just so beautiful or hypersexual and they're dangerous, you know, and why? Why Why are they so dangerous? And of course, on the other flip side are the virgin saviors, you know, they're so pure, they can tame unicorns. You know, it's like, it is very, very interesting to me that um, sex is such a big thing when it comes to women. And it's kind of not as a big thing, like dudes have sex and that's about it. It doesn't really figure into fantasy and lore as much. So I just thought it would be an interesting round table and it was because of that story, you know, that I was writing. So I'm in submission for that and it's another duology, so two books. So that'll, the sequel I'll be writing and then um, the novel after that is the kind of science fiction thriller kind of born identity set in Taipei from the um, Taiwanese boys point of view. So I am definitely still very interested in diverse characters. Like Melinda said, I don't feel like you have to write your own background, but you know, I, that's what I'm interested in. So it kind of works out for me. We'll be looking forward to all these novels. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I've been speaking with Cindy Pond. Her new novel is Fury of the Phoenix. Fear her fury. Thank you for joining me, Cindy. Thank you so much. It was lovely. <laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.